pray together. Father God, you have made it clear how we are first and foremost to be recognized by our love, by our words, by our works. God, you have revealed your love to us. You told us that you loved us and you showed us your love. You gave your Son because you so loved the world. You gave your Spirit that, that we might be filled and full, sanctified and separated that we might we might live as saints of yours to the praise of your great name. Lord, today as we begin this series and we begin to talk about serving, may you give us clarity and understanding about what you want to do in our lives, how you want to be at work in our midst. And may we understand that, that this is for not only your glory and the blessing of others, but it's, it's for our own sanctification that we might become more and more what you died for us to be, to be like Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You would go ahead and be seated on this on this Sunday as we are beginning a service. We're also having the, the pleasure of, of commissioning some folks to go and serve. I'm asked Sydney didn't to come. Sydney has just spent how many months were you gone? Nine months. She was in three different countries serving God. She's been home for a month. Now she's going back to serve for six months in South Africa. And so we're going to be commissioning her. We also have uh, Jonathan Carver, his family, Michelle and Kirby and Curlandy. We also have uh, Madison Bartlett is going to be going with them as well. They're going to be going to Haiti for five weeks uh, to provide care for orphans and needs that are there. And so we're commissioning them today. And so if you would, reach out with me and let's set them apart for this service. Lord God, each of them have called, been called by your Spirit, not only to have eternal life, but, but to go. And they're going to some places where, where there is desperate need. And I pray that you will keep them healthy. And I pray that they will sense your power at work in them and through them. Transform their lives and work in them. And may they see you do miraculous things in bringing salvation and hope in life to those they speak with and those they show your love to. We commission them now for your purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. You would, after the service, try and find these folks and let them know that you're going to be praying for them and, and encourage them. We are today going to be talking about service. And again, this typifies what Living Hope is about. We're about helping people. We're about living hopeful so that we can be helpful. And if we don't have hope, oftentimes we won't be very much help. And so there has to be a theological undergirding of what it is we are doing. And today we want to look at the life of Christ. But first I want to make sure we understand what Jesus has done. What he's doing specifically. See, when Christ saved us, he saved us for more than just so that we could go to heaven. Although that's a, that's a great thing. He saved us and left us here because there's work for us to do. There are things that we need to be accomplishing. And so to do that, we've got to do it together. You see, we all have strengths and weaknesses. I have certain strengths, but I have very real specific weaknesses. And if it's all, if it's left up just to, to me, there's no way we're going to accomplish God's will. And if it's left up just to you and what you're doing, there's no way we can accomplish God's will. See, it requires each one of us doing our part together. And heads up, this is the will of God. God designed us to be in community. God himself is community. He is one God and three persons. It is a mystery, but he is in community. And so he redeems us and puts us in community so that we are together one. And we are able to do what God wants to accomplish in this world. So here's the thing. If you're not doing your part, then, then there's a big part missing. 
there are these things out right now. Maybe you have heard of them. I can't ever remember yet. It's a fidget spinner. How many of you own a fidget spinner? Raise your hand. Okay, some of you are not fidgeters. Let me tell you what this is. So apparently, this is to help people who need to do this all day long, all right? And apparently, this, this has started off with something for children, but now parents have confiscated them and are using them. It's so funny. Ask, have you ever heard of fidget spinner? Yeah, I bought one for my kid, but I keep it. I use it all the time. I need this to keep my sanity. But there's parts to this. There's a middle part. It's a bearing that holds it together. And then there's weights, and there's all kinds of things happen. We had another one that broke. It's just the centerpiece. This is not fun. All right? This is not helpful. There's got to be other parts other than just the middle. you got to have the middle, then you got to have the other connecting parts. Otherwise, it doesn't work. Guys, so it is with the church. Every person is a part. God saved you and called you to be a part of this church family. And He did that for a purpose. He did that so that you could serve needs, so that you could be served, and so that together the world would know that we are Christians by our love, as we love God and love one another, and then with that love, go and, and serve the needs of our city and our community and in places in the world. We can't be a good fidget spinner if we're not connected. We're not going to be able to accomplish God's purpose. I may just do this the entire service. Would that aggravate anyone if I just did this? Okay, well, I won't do it tonight. That might be a distraction. You know, it, it, it's so crucial that we understand that our lives matter. I know some of you sit there and think, well, my life doesn't matter. What do I have to offer? You've been given spiritual gifts. You've been given natural abilities. You have energy. You have time. You have resources. Those are all gifts given to you by God that you are to steward. And you'll be held accountable for how you use them. You want to be careful, friends. Be very careful that, that you don't waste what it is God has made you responsible for. He expects you and me to give what He has given to us and to use it for His purpose. You can't do it in isolation. You know, what we Americans, many times what we want to do is like, oh yeah, I've got my gift, I've got my thing, I'll go do it, I'll let you know if I need anything. It's not the way God designed it. God designed us to serve one another. Even our missionaries that we send are dependent upon us for prayer and encouragement and to go and partner with them. There is no one who is to work in isolation. You're to be sent or you're to be sending. You're to be serving. You're to be a part of what God is doing. And we do that because of the command of Christ. And today what we want to do is we want to look at the example of Jesus. If you've got your Bible, and I hope that you do, Take it out and turn with me to John 13, 14. And Jensen Day is going to come read for us today. We're going to read with Jensen, so let's all stand together in honor of God's Word. I believe the words will be on the screen. Now, Jensen's going to lead, so we got to stay with him. Uh, but our text is, is John 13, 14. Don't get ahead of him. Just follow along with him and read out loud with Jensen. This is a big day. Jensen put a tie on and everything, all right? So uh, let's, 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 let's follow in. All right, Jensen, lead us, buddy. We'll follow along with you. Then, your Lord and teacher have washed your feet. You also ought to 
wash one another's feet. The Word of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Thank you, Jensen. If you would, go ahead and be seated. Everyone has a place to serve. Everyone has a role to play. Everyone is necessary to accomplish God's purpose. God made us this way. To be in community with Him and to be in community with one another. What we see in Jesus is we see Jesus being a huge help. Now, we know what Jesus has done. He did some big things. Make no mistake about it. Uh, he defeated Satan on his own territory. He entered into this fallen world and lived a holy life in the desert and, and in other times. Jesus never sinned. He was tempted, but he never sinned. And he stood his ground and lived a holy life. And then he gave that life. He laid down his life to pay for our sin. And then on the third day, he was raised and he has conquered death. Jesus did some big things. But I'm going to tell you something. Jesus also did a lot of little things. We need to be mindful that God loves us when we do the big things. He's a big God. He loves to do big things. He loves to send us to, to Haiti. He loves to send us to South Africa for months and weeks. He loves for us to take on huge projects. He loves for us to trust Him to do the impossible. But He also loves it when we do the little things. The things that still remind us of our need for the Spirit. Jesus did the little things. Like wash His disciples' feet. He values the little things. God calls us to help one another in all things. And this help is a part of God's plan to make us what He died for us to be. As we look at John 13, and that's what I want us to do this morning, let's look at the model of Jesus and then let's and be encouraged and challenged as the Holy Spirit leads us and calls us and convicts us. Write this down. We help one another better together when we live lives, first of all, Called to love no matter what. You can't be much of a help if you don't know that you're called to love. If you're just doing it so other people will give you approval, if you're just doing it, if it makes you feel good, you won't do it well, you won't do it consistently, and there really is no honor to God. Please, don't, don't survey your emotions as to whether or not you're going to serve a need or not. Ask God. Ask God. Is this, is this my calling? Ask God, is this a real need? And if it's a need, don't wait till you're asked. Step in and meet the need. Understand that the need is the call. I want you to write that down. The need is the call. When you see it, that's your sign-up opportunity. Whether we have one in the hallway or not, the need is the call. And so God has called us all to love no matter what. Love is non-negotiable for Christ followers. Why? Well, we love because He first loved us. To not love is to take His love for granted. It's to somehow dispel it from your mind and somehow uh, think to yourself not, not needing His love, not needing to share His love, and you've missed the point of life. The point of life is love. A life without love is just walking death. It is love that makes life worth living. This is what it's about. God is love. And He has given us love. And the reason we are to love, 
The reason why we are called to this kind of life is He loves us. Not only did He love us, and, and that's why He's commanded us. He's commanded us to love. This is non-negotiable. You've heard me say this before, but please make sure you understand this equation. If you know Jesus, you will love Jesus. And if you love Jesus, you will obey Jesus. Jesus has commanded us to love. To love no matter what. We are called to love no matter what. If you're not obeying Jesus, it's probably because you don't love Him. And if you don't really love Him, it's probably because you really don't know Him. See, there's a difference between a head knowledge and a heart knowledge of Jesus. The demons know Jesus, but they don't love Him. He doesn't love them. Jesus loves us. Do you know His love? I don't mean the theory of His love. I don't mean the, the, the exposition of His love. I mean, do you know it personally? Do you know that nothing will ever separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord? Neither height, nor death, nor anything. No created thing. No, no demon. No, ain't nothing can separate you from that love. Do you feel that every day? If you don't, there's no wonder that you don't feel compelled to love others. There's, there's no doubt that the, that the calling seems a little fuzzy. Because, see, if you don't really know Jesus, then, then you don't really love Jesus. And if you don't really love Jesus, well, you're not going to obey Jesus. Are you obeying Jesus? He has called us to love. And we do that because He first loved us, but because He's commanded us to. And, and understand this, it's because He made us to. You and I were made by God to love. You are never more exercising what it means to be made in the image of God than when you are loving. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth and said, Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? What did he say the greatest was? It is the reason why. It's because one day faith will become sight. One day hope will be realized. There is one thing that remains that lasts forever. One. When we love, we are living out our eternal destiny and design. For those of us who have been redeemed by Christ, we've been saved by faith, we have been given a new life. We've been born again. And being born again gives us a means by which we can fulfill our destiny. You will never fulfill your destiny without love. It is that crucial. Jesus, Jesus loved us. He, he knew that, that others needed this love. And He knew that He needed to help His disciples understand. So look at look in, uh, John chapter 13, verse 1. Look at Jesus' perspective here. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that His hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. Be mindful of what's about to happen. Jesus is ours from being beaten to near death and then hung on a cross to die. He's hours from this. And yet here he is, not thinking about himself. He's thinking about the need. And what is the need? The need is that they know that they are loved. The need is that these disciples understand that they have been fully loved and that he was going to love them all the way to the end, that he was going to show them this love all the way through. You know what happens to us many times? I know what happens to me. Is we get caught up in the moment. Something happens 
and we get aggravated or we get frustrated or we get tired and we get caught up in the moment of that feeling. And rather than seeing the broad picture like Jesus did, Jesus didn't just get caught up in the moment, oh, I'm about to die. Oh, it's all about me. No, no, no. He knew what was going on. There was plenty there to keep him focused and, and, and this, this passion about the need of these guys. But instead, he saw the bigger picture of what was happening. And see, what happens to a lot of us is we get so caught up in the moment I have to confess this week, I got so aggravated with someone. And with the love of Jesus, I felt that I needed to choke them. Have you ever been, show of hands, how many of y'all have been so aggravated you thought, maybe I should choke them? If you're married, your hands should be up right now. I wasn't mad at my spouse, but I, I was mad. If you have children, your, your hands should have gone up. Otherwise, you're, you're, you're lying. There's something, though, about a level of aggravation that exists within a parent, not only for a child, but when someone else messes with your child. That's a whole other level of crazy that can kick in if you're not careful there, right? In that moment, I got aggravated. And I thought maybe God was calling me to take them out. But that was not God's calling. See, what I needed to do is I needed to step back and take a broader picture. And here's what I reminded myself in that moment. I told myself, I said, Self, two weeks from now, you're not even going to remember why you're mad right now. And even if you do, it's because you're silly. It's because you're selfish and you think you're that important. A few years from now, you certainly won't remember it. Take a broader picture. Look at the, look at the forest. Don't be caught up in the trees. Don't get so focused in the moment. Because here's what we tell ourselves. Well, I'm mad right now. And so I should tell them why I'm mad and what I really think of them. Some of you say, I'm going to give them a piece of my mind. Some of you need to be careful because you don't have many pieces, all right? Be cautious with that. You say, I'm going to just, I'm just going to lay it out there. And you know what you end up doing? You make it worse. It doesn't make it better. Telling people in Scottsville that they're number one when they touch you, it doesn't make it better. What do you got to do? You got to pull back. What did Jesus do? He's about to die. He's looking at the broad picture. Thinking, I gotta, just, I gotta help these guys understand. I love them to the end. I gotta help them understand love. Now, there's some who would make the excuse, yes, but what if, what if someone has hurt me? What, what about a situation when I've been betrayed? Do I have to love them? Well, what did Jesus do? Look at verse two. This will blow your mind. During supper. When the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. When did Jesus love Judas? He loved him right there in that moment, even though he knew that Judas had already betrayed him. He knew that Judas was going to conspire with the enemy and that he would soon betray him to the kids. Right there in that moment, even though he was betrayed, Jesus chose love. And that tells us something really important. We are to love those that are sometimes very unlovable. We are to love those that are maybe even humanly impossible to love. It may require the supernatural power of Jesus for you to love them. And guess what? You've got the supernatural power of the love of Christ in your life if you're the redeemed of God. And so don't be surprised that you have to require and, and to, to, to rely on that power. Remember what Jesus said. This is so sobering. Matthew chapter 5. 
You have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's the way of the world. That's what the world does. That, that's what we're seeing in, in other religions like Islam. That's what we're seeing happen, is that there is hate. Hate coming out. Anyone that's different, anyone that doesn't agree, anyone that doesn't, doesn't submit. Hate. Jesus said, that's not how it is for my followers. That's not how we roll. Look what he said. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So that, look at this, so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. You'll never have a greater assurance of your salvation when you rely on the supernatural power of God. And one of the ways in which you will most need the supernatural power of God is in the little thing of loving an enemy. And it may very well be that no one ever sees it but God himself. It will be that little. But it's a powerful thing. He went on to say, for, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good, and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. For if you love those who love you, what reward do you have? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? He say, look, don't be like the world. The world loves those who love them. That's not the way of God. When did Christ love us? Romans 5, 8. While we were sinners, Christ died for us. It was when we were in the midst of trees. It was when we were turning our backs on God. It's when we were so ultimately unlovable, He chose to love us. Jesus loved Judas. Jesus gives us the power to love others. We will never pursue and recover God's design for our lives more clearly than when we love. Now, we know God designed all things to be in harmony. And we know why love doesn't permeate our planet. And here's why. It's because of sin. And what is happening in our world, there's brokenness. There's brokenness in, in London today. There's brokenness all over the world. Why? Because of sin. And there's pain from this brokenness. But here's the gospel. Here's the good news. God loved us. While we were sinners, Christ died for us to pay for our sin. And if we will give up our old life, our life on our own, and trust and receive the love of Jesus Christ, you know what we'll be able to do? We'll be able to pursue and recover God's design. You know what God's design is? Love. We'll be able to love those that are hard to love, those who won't and, and, and don't care to love us in return. Be Jesus loved no matter what, because he was confident who he was. But look, in, uh, look in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God. Insecure people are not capable of loving those that are hard to love. And here's why. Insecure people do what they do to feel good about themselves. An insecure person needs other people to tell them who they are and how important they are. And so an insecure person won't love someone who won't love them back, won't love someone that, that they don't get credit for loving because it doesn't make sense to them. Because the only thing they do, only thing an insecure person does, is, is to get other people to validate and to give them value. But for those who are secure in their salvation in Jesus Christ, we can honestly say, I'm a child of the King of Heaven. I have been bought with the blood of God. I have been given the power of the Holy Spirit. I am a Spirit-filled, Spirit-filled saint of the living God Almighty. Boy, if that doesn't give you a little confidence, I don't know what will. And in that confidence, we are called to love. Look at what it says about Jesus here. He, Jesus, knowing the Father had given him all things, Jesus said, I have given you all things. 
Go back and read Ephesians chapter 1. You have every uh, heavenly gift that's already been given to you. Everything you need. It's already been given. Jesus knew what He'd been given. He knew who He was and that He had come from God. Think about from where you've come. Think about the sin that you've been saved from. Some of you were saved at, a, at an early age. I'm going to tell you something. That's the grace of God. Some of you, like me, went through the dirt and the mud for a while. Think about what you've been saved from. Think about what you have now in Christ. Let that give you confidence. Jesus, He knew where He was from. And look at that. Look at the text. Look at that. It says, He knew where He was going. You know what gives us hope? Is that we know this world is not our home. Amen? Aren't you glad this world's not your home today? And so you don't mind giving it away. You don't mind because you know you're not going to keep it anyway. You don't mind sharing and showing the love of God even to those who can't appreciate it or, re- or return or in any way what God has given to, to you through them. You, you can't give it back. And so you say, you know what? I'm going to love you anyway because I'm called to. Because I'm told to. Because I'm made to. You were made to love. That is your calling. And, and we, we help one another better together when we live lives called to love no matter what. And then secondly, write this down, when we're close enough to sense the needs. You've got to be close to see the needs, to sense the needs. If you see, there's a little space in your Bible between the numerical, the, nu- the numeral four that identifies uh, that there's a new verse and the last segment of Scripture there in verse 3, there's a comma there. There's something between those two and it's a space. In that space, something happened. I don't know exactly what. I think it was a smell. It, it may be, have been sight, but something happened in that space because, see, I don't know if you know this, but when, when in, in the first century in the Middle East, when they would sit down to have a meal like the disciples were about to have with Jesus, they would sit at tables that were about a, a 18 inches to 2 foot high. And they would sit down on the ground and their feet would be laid against or sometimes right next to the person alongside of them. So imagine you've been walking in sandals on dusty, dirty roads all day, and your sweaty, wet feet have contracted all of that nastiness, and now you're getting ready to have a meal, and you're sitting around a bunch of people. You ever sit around a bunch of men's dirty feet? I'm not just talking about one. Ladies, multiply that by 12. That stench. Somewhere between verse 3 and verse 4, Jesus caught wind and caught sight of it. And there was something in him that compelled him to act. There was something that said, you know what, I, 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 we got to do something here. He was close enough to see the need. You know why most of us don't do the little things and serve the need? Because we don't see it. And the reason why we don't usually see it is because we're not close enough to other people to know what their needs are. Here's American Christianity. I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. I have Jesus in my life. I know that I'm going to heaven. Whether or not I connect with other believers or not, well, that's optional, I think. Can I give you a heads up? Not. 
God designed us and saved us to be in community with one another. Do you know that God is communal? God is one. He is one as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God saved us to be communal, to be connected with one another in Christ. We are meant to be connected. It's not about what's in it for me. It's about what what has God saved me to. And in order to meet needs, you've got to be close enough to other people. I'm going to tell you, people are messy, so there's plenty to do. You should never be bored. We are meant to be in connection with one another so close that we know how to pray for each other. Can you right now, outside of your kin family, can you think of things to pray for other people that you know that they've not asked you to pray that you know to pray for them because you're close to them? Are there needs that you know that you could meet today in someone's life that you don't have to be asked? You know the need because you're close enough to them. See, what happens to most of us is we don't get close enough to see the need that needs to be met. What happens to most of us is that we're so focused on ourselves that we can't see the need. We're so close to examining what we want and what we're interested in that we don't take the time to see the other needs that are around us. There are folks who came to the church this morning. Great. Why did they come? They came hoping that they would get something. Didn't have the first thought that they came to get something. Friends, we gotta wake up. God has called us to come, yes, to receive blessings of truth and, and the blessing that comes with praise, but God has called us to be needs. We are to be in community with one another, and we gotta take our eyes off of ourselves only, and we gotta be able to see what's going on around us. Let me tell you what's happening in this room right now. There are people that need to be hugged. They won't show it. They need it. They need someone to say, how are you doing? Just make small talk with them. They just want to feel like someone acknowledged that they were in the room. For some of them, the idea that you're going to talk to them in a minute terrifies them, but they need it. And, and, and they need to know that they matter. Friends, if you can miss church and no one miss you, you're not doing this right. I love that. I mentioned this in the early service, and uh, there's a family. They sit right here every Sunday. They sat in those same seats for 23 years. As good Baptists, they know they should sit in the same seat every Sunday. And if you like to move around, you're confusing me. I need you to sit in the same seat. It's just helpful to me. I'm just telling you that right now, okay? But I'm going to tell you why I think it's important. You need to know everyone that you sit with every Sunday. You need to know their names. You need to occasionally just get together before the service and pray together. I know that terrifies some of you. It'll be okay. But when someone who sits around you every Sunday is missing, you need to acknowledge it. You need to be able to give them a call. You need to be able to say, hey, is everything all right? It was funny. This, this couple that sits here every Sunday, they were gone one Sunday. They were out of town, and they had three phone calls by 8.15. Where are you? What's wrong? Can we help you? That's church. And what's great is when you sit in the same place every week and you see a stranger, please, on a Sunday morning, if you come and someone's in your seat, love them. They know not what they do. <laughs> Just go meet them. This is God telling you it's time to take somebody to lunch. It's time to go get coffee with somebody in the 1040 Cafe. It's your day. It's your, it's your opportunity. Love. You know what you got to do to do that? you got to be able to take your eyes off of you. And friends, I'm going to tell you, do this before you're asked. Meet these before you're asked. 
children, listen to me. You're going to go home today. There is trash in your rooms right now, and I know it, and you know it, Jesus knows it. There is there's stuff in your room. There's stuff in the house. Pick it up! Pick it up! Elbows are flying amongst parents and children right now. Parents, children, get your elbows ready. Parents, there are needs in this church you need to be meeting. There's trash on the ground. Pick it up. If there's someone who's sitting in the alone, go sit with them. If you see someone go up for prayer, no one goes, go pray with them. Go see a master service. How can I pray for you? Are you okay? Can we go out and talk? Love people. This is not rocket science. Love people. It's simple. Care for people. Remember what James said, James 4, 17. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him, it is sin. It is sin. Well, I, I didn't know I was supposed to do it. You know, we held accountable for it. It's called sin of omission. Open your eyes. Open your eyes. See the need. You've been called to it. Understand that, 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 that you've got to be close enough to it. And then the last thing, you've got to be compelled to it. Compelled to help as Jesus did. He knows who he is. He knows what the need is. The need is stinky feet. So he rose from the supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist and poured water into a basin and began to wash the, the disciples' feet and wiped them with a towel that was wrapped around him. You know, it's amazing. There, was, there were 12 other men there that were not compelled to do the very simple thing that Jesus did. How many things are going undone in this church, in this kingdom of heaven, because we won't serve? I've never forgotten this. I was, it was before I became a Christian. I was beginning to hear about Christianity. I was at a movie. And uh, there had been a spill. There was some ice that was left that some people didn't see. And an older lady came and slipped and fell down. I know she broke her arm. And it was so horrifying to watch her be in pain. And I was watching this, and, and I was just in shock. And then I looked up, and I noticed that some people were watching it. Some people were just walking by as though nothing had happened. But then there was this couple. I'll never forget this. This was 30-some years ago. Not forgotten this. This couple, this 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 uh, husband and wife, they spun into action. And, and as the wife was comforting, this was before cell phones. I know some of you young people, before cell phones, how did you live? We had phones connected to a wall. And they cost a dime. Oh, those were good days. And so, don't get misty on me. The guy went and called the ambulance. And so they said, I, I went on to my movie. I had to go to the bathroom. 20 minutes later, I came out, and I saw this couple leaving with this lady. And I heard him say, well, we will see you at the hospital. They didn't know her. I thought, this is so weird. This reminds me of these Christian people I've been around. A bunch of weirdos that love each other. You know what? I don't know if they were Christians or not, but you know, I imagine if they were. If that lady was getting out of the hospital that day, she would have said, why in the world would you have given up your movie and taken your night to care for me? If they were Christians, I can imagine they would have said, 
Can I tell you, there was a time in my life when I was broken, and I was fallen, and I was hurt. And God stepped in and loved me. And He didn't just leave me there to wallow in pain. He loved me. And now I can't help but love people the way He has loved me. Is that, is that in your heart today? Is that how you look at life? See, the ultimate question is this. Who will you help and who is able to help you? Who are you close enough? Who are you compelled? Who are you called to serve? It's, it's a need. Are you willing to do it? Jesus, Jesus met a need that day, but can I tell you it's not the ultimate need? Jesus washed the disciples' feet, but that wasn't the ultimate need. See, they needed to know how to love. Look, look at verse 14 through 15 real quick. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example, not an ordinance, an example, that you also should do just as I've done to you. Are you living out the example of Christ? The world, they will know we are Christians by our love. Are you showing it? Is it in your heart you're compelled to? If not, you, you need to examine your heart. Some of you may, may be the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ to save you, to enable you. Some of you are the redeemed of God, and maybe you need to say, Lord, I am so wrapped up in me that I don't even see the need. I'm not willing to step out. You need to pray about that. And you need to ask God to use you in significant ways significant small ways that no one will notice but God himself. And in big ways that bring glory to the Father. What a blessed assurance that is ours when we do that. Let's stand together as we pray. Father, we have just a moment. I know there's some today who need to come and pray about their own life. They need to pray to receive you, Lord Jesus. They need to pray about being a servant. They need to pray about, about stepping up and meeting needs. There's also some who need to serve a need today. They know of people that are hurting in their family or in a friendship or maybe just someone that's, that they just know about that needs prayer. And today they're going to they're gonna meet the need of, of praying to you on their behalf. And as they do, Lord God, I pray that there's an assurance of salvation, assurance that you have loved them and called them, compelled them, and, and brought them close to, to be a part of what you're doing in the world. Thank you for that gift of assurance. And now as we sing of it, Hear the prayers of your people in Jesus' name. Amen.